I'm glad he's still on the throne. Amen. Let's all stand tonight, 1 Samuel chapter number 18. And we'll not keep you very long tonight, but I want to preach a few minutes and appreciate the presence of God and appreciate what the Lord's done. No sad stories. Can I get a witness on that? God's been better to me than what I ever deserved and what he's done far more than what I ever expected. And so if you'll turn with us tonight, 1 Samuel chapter number 18, and we'll look in verse number 20 and read this passage of Scripture and have prayer, and then you can be seated. Yes, sir. Yes. I can say we everyone know the valleys we went through, the mountaintops, and there's hard times we all go through. I'm glad that he's been faithful now for the years. Amen. That's right. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Hit me. Thank you, Brother Mike. I've known Brother Mike all my life, just about it. And that's exactly the way he's always been. Boy, I appreciate that. I sure do. You don't know how much I appreciate that. I appreciate the faithfulness. Amen. First Samuel 18, verse 20. The Bible says, And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give him her, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistine may be against him. Wherefore Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in the one of the twain. And Saul commanded his servants, saying, Commune with David secretly, and say, Behold, the king hath delight in thee, and all his servants love thee. Now therefore be the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spake those words in the ears of David. And David said, Seemeth it to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, On this manner spake David. And Saul said, Thus shall ye say to David, The king desireth not any dowry, but an hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law, and the days were not expired. Wherefore, David arose and went he and his men and slew of the Philistines two hundred men. And David brought their foreskin, and they gave them in full tale to the king, and that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, uh, to wife. And Saul uh, saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. And the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. Let's bow for prayer and then you can be seated. 
Our precious Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for the good testimonies, for the good singing and the presence of God that's in this place. And Lord, what a great day we've already had, and we want to thank you for that. And I pray now that you'll add your blessings to the reading of thy word. I pray that you'll take this message and speak to our hearts. Lord, help us receive with meekness the engrafted word. And God, we'll love you, and we'll thank you for what you do. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach on this subject for a few minutes tonight on dealing with the flesh. Dealing with the flesh. And when you think about Saul uh, in the uh, life of David here, that's exactly who Saul is a picture of in the life of David is that he's a picture of the flesh. And David, though he had dealt with uh, uh, Goliath in chapter 17, and we know that he faced Goliath only one time, and he took Goliath down. That was the only time that he ever faced Goliath. And then he faced the Philistines. Certainly he will fight the Philistines not just as he has before, but he does in our text, but several times over throughout the life of David he will have to face and deal with the Philistines. And you know Goliath is a picture of the devil and the Philistines is a type of this world and certainly we don't really face the devil that much. Now we give him a lot of credit and we brag on him a lot of times, not intentionally talking about how much that we face him and things that he does but in reality, I don't know if any of us ever really have faced the devil uh, face to face or not. But the world is somebody that we have to face several times over. But when it comes to Saul, as David only faced Goliath one time and the Philistines he would face from time to time, Saul was an enemy that David had to live with in the palace every day of his life. Saul was an enemy that in one passage of scripture, the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 21 that Saul loved David and he made him his armor bearer. But in chapter number 18 in verse number uh, 23 the Bible, or verse number 29 the Bible clearly says here that Saul became David's enemy continually. And you know that's just like the flesh tonight. The flesh on one hand will love you but on the other hand it will hate you. One minute the flesh is uh, uh, seems like it'll be your best friend and the next minute the flesh will be your enemy. You say brother Gravely what are you saying? I'm saying just like Saul, you couldn't trust Saul because he was subject to change from one minute to the next. And friend, you can't trust the flesh tonight. The flesh will turn on you and the flesh will turn against you at any moment. You do not know uh, what the flesh is going to do. And I see in our text tonight here in verse number 20, I see the prompting of this offer here as Saul sees an opportunity as he hears that his daughter loves David and the Bible says in verse number 20 that they told Saul and the thing pleased him. And so what does Saul do? He makes an offer to David uh, because it pleased him uh, that his daughter loved him. Now what that says to me tonight is this, friend, is that Saul did not love David. Saul wanted to use his own daughter, his own flesh and blood uh, to try to defeat David. In fact, in the next uh, verse of scripture there, the Bible says here that Saul said, I will give him her that she may be a snare unto him. You know that's what the flesh wants to do for every one of us tonight. It wants to be a snare in all of our life. Now Paul said put no confidence in the flesh. And more people have got in trouble because they trusted in their self rather than in God. 
Can I tell you tonight, it doesn't matter what we have done for God. It doesn't matter what we have accomplished. It doesn't matter how long we have served God. It doesn't matter how much Bible we know or how much experience uh, we have uh, encountered in this walk of life. None of us tonight are any match for our own flesh. In fact, I think that we would do well to learn to hate the very thing that's so easy to love is this flesh. You know, the Word of God even says that a man loves his flesh and he nourisheth it, talking about that we ought to treat our wives the way that we would treat our own flesh because no man's going to harm his flesh. No man's going to hurt his flesh. In fact, we take as good a care of our flesh as what we possibly can. You know why that is? It's because we love ourselves deep down. And talking about this preacher, when I say that, there's just a natural instinct to love ourselves more than what we do other people. Selfishness is something everybody has has to deal with from time to time in all of our life. And if we're not careful, it can overtake us. Amen. Saul loved himself. And Saul in this text tonight is willing to use flesh, talking about his daughter, to try to destroy another man's flesh. You see, tonight the flesh doesn't care who it uses. If the flesh can take you down, the flesh will will use one of your children to take you down. As much as you love your children tonight and you ought to thank God for your children and pray for your children, but I remind you tonight, this is an individual thing when it comes to serving God. You can't serve God based on what your children do or do not do. There's going to come times in life when you've got to make a decision as to whether or not you're going to go with God. You can't make a decision based off your spouse. I, I think that as a, a husband and a wife or to serve God together, the husband should love the wife, the wife should uh, submit to the husband, and if the wife will submit to the husband and the husband will love the wife, then it can be a perfect union almost uh, here on earth. It can bring tranquility and peace to the home, and together they can have happy years, uh, and they can live happily ever after if they're both living in their roles and fulfilling their responsibilities, but even at that you cannot trust your flesh tonight you see you can't serve God based on what your husband or your wife does this thing about serving God's individual tonight you can't run on the coattail of your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your pastor your Sunday school teacher tonight there's got to be individuality in all of our lives one of the things I'm Reminded of, I'm always, and don't misunderstand what I'm about to say tonight. I read after different writers. I listen to different preachers preach, but I I don't listen to just one person all the time. It's danger in that. Because, and I'm talking about me. Hey, listen, you got to listen to me three times a week, but I hope you'll venture out and listen to somebody else through on Monday and Tuesday or something. But hey, there's a danger when we follow just after one person. I, I knew a man that one time that got involved in Calvinism because he read after just one certain writer and he thought this writer just hung the moon and he is a great person. But uh, listen, every man's got error in, in, his, in his teaching because we're human, isn't that right? Just because so-and-so says it doesn't mean I believe it tonight. If the Bible says it, I believe it. But I don't follow the personalities of men. You know why? Because they're flesh tonight. 
You, you, you got to, you got to learn that, that you, you know, I, I love Brother Charles and I love Brother Laddie uh, tonight and I love Brother David, but hey, and I, I believe that these men love me, but there is a line that we have uh, that we will follow and we will support each other to a point. Isn't that right? Uh, but there is once a, a man goes beyond the bounds of scripture, you cannot follow him because your friend, he's your friend, he's your family member. We ought to have loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone tonight. Because flesh will get you in trouble. I want to give you a few things tonight about Saul and I'll be through. There's several things I would mention, but I'm just going to hasten on tonight concerning uh, Saul being a type of the flesh. You see, David, the Bible says here that David realized that he could not get rid of Saul. Saul was powerful. Saul was persistent. He was constantly after David. He was... He was very, very powerful. He was the king. I mean, David knew that he couldn't get rid of him. He was, he was powerful and, and, and he was, per, he was, uh, uh, listen, he was persistent in what he was doing. And David knew that, that he couldn't get rid of Saul. So you know what he had to do? He had to learn how to deal with him. And do you know tonight, I, I can't get rid of this stuff. My soul and my spirit's wrapped in it. And I can't get rid of it. So the only thing left for me to do is to do what David did. And that's learn how to deal with the flesh. And God used Saul in the life of David to teach him how to deal with his own flesh. And I want to give you these three or four things tonight and I'll be through talking about dealing with the flesh. I want to say first of all tonight, I want you to remember this tonight, that the flesh wants to remain king. Amen. You see, God had took the kingdom away from Saul. He had already rent the garment of Samuel. And Samuel said to him, as, as you've rent this garment, so has God rent the kingdom from you. And from that day forward, Saul was no longer king in the eyes of God. He may have been in his own eyes and he may have been in the eyes of uh, people, but he wasn't in the eyes of God. But hear me tonight, that wasn't good enough for Saul. He was so prideful. He was so stubborn. He was so rebellious. He didn't care what God said. And that's the way the flesh is. The flesh doesn't care what God says. Uh, the flesh has one thing in mind and Saul had one thing in mind and that was to remain king. That was to remain on that throne. And can I tell you tonight, the flesh wants to sit on the throne of your heart. The flesh wants dominion. The flesh wants dominion in my life. It wants dominion in your life uh, and it will stop at nothing to remain king and authority in all of our lives. Even if it means, uh, listen, even if it means taking out the people that supposedly the flesh loves the most, but you've got to remember something, the flesh loves nobody more than the flesh loves itself. Saul was willing to sacrifice his own daughters to remain king. David had never done anything to Saul, but the reason that Saul didn't like David was because David had an anointing on his life and Saul knew that. The flesh does not like the spirit. In Galatians chapter five and verse number 17, the Bible said this, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Hey, there's a warfare that's going on. There's a struggle between the flesh and the spirit and we face that battle every single day of our life. You know, a cell phone can get you in a lot of trouble nowadays. I wish we didn't even have them. I'm being honest with you. 
I mean, I appreciate the technology to be able to get in touch with somebody in an emergency situation or things like that. And those for those situations, it's a, a benefit and a blessing. But all the attachments that comes with a cell phone has destroyed homes. It's destroyed marriages. It's ruined the lives of young people. It's destroyed pastors and churches and ministries. And I'm telling you, friend, listen, you need to have all the accountability. I'm saying that about myself tonight. I do not trust my flesh. Listen, I don't have secrets numbers and secret codes. Uh, uh, my wife has ex- access to anything. If you want to come, if a member wants to come up here tonight and pick up my cell phone and look at my pictures and my text messages, uh, I want to keep that open uh, line of communication. I don't have anything to hide tonight. Not because I'm spiritual, because I'm flesh. I don't trust myself tonight, friend. I, I get in churches sometimes and you know, you just got to understand people are different in different places, and I understand that. Sometimes you get in mountain churches, and they like to hug a whole lot. And they don't care who they hug. And I seen a church not too long ago. I mean, I, I, I felt like I'd been molested by the time the whole church had got through. I told my wife, I said, Lord God, I've had more women hug me in this one service than I've had to hug me my whole life. And uh, that's just the way they do things there, but that's not the way I... Don't get... Listen, I don't even want to go there, do you? It's just better not to hug. Unless a man hugs a man. I don't want to hug another man's wife. Amen. Can I get an amen right I'm not being super spiritual. I'm not trying to be, I'm not even being critical of other people. I'm just saying that you can start things that don't need to be started. Amen. And, and I'm not saying if some lady come up and gave me a hug tonight that, that I'm going to think bad. I just don't think it's a good thing. The Bible said it's better for a man not to touch a woman. That, that's what the scripture says. And I just think that it operates a whole lot better if we live by some, so just some morals. Can I say that? Now, I'm not talking about if they're old enough to be my, my grandmother. There's some little ladies, old ladies in the church I like to give a hug and say, I love, to, you know, I love you. Man, I feel like I'm digging myself in a hole here, but it's just truth, ain't it? You know, I'm going to say that because Miss Kate makes me biscuits and I'm going to give her a hug, amen? <laughs> and Benny May, for that, I'm going to give her a hug. But, you know... The bottom line is tonight, you just can't trust the flesh. Flesh is flesh. I don't care who it is tonight. And the flesh wants to be king. Flesh wants to be patted on the back. Flesh wants recognition. The flesh thinks it deserves more than what it really does. I'm reminded tonight that I, I ought to be in hell. I don't deserve one blessing tonight. And I need to be reminded of that every day. Because if not, my flesh can start thinking. The Bible said a man should not think more highly of himself than he ought to think. The Bible said if a man think of himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Well, how quickly we can deceive. Our our flesh can deceive us. That's what's wrong with this generation. They think they're entitled to certain privileges. There was a generation that taught humility and taught that you had to have morality and respect and you work hard and... You really don't deserve anything and so whatever you have, you should learn to appreciate. But now we have a generation that's been handed everything and so now they think people should just keep handing them stuff and it's okay to say no to your children, amen? And don't ask them what they think about things. God didn't put you in a position to sit down and say, well, what do you think? Don't, they're flesh tonight. 
I never asked my kids, what do you want to do? Hey, it was quiet there. I didn't. I didn't. I just don't. That's crazy. Set little Johnny down and say, now, what do you want to do? It's your education. What, what do you want to do about your education? Well, I'll tell you what he's going to want to do. Recess and lunch. Hey, man, that's education for little Johnny. What do you want? That's a very important decision. You don't ask him. You tell him what he's going to do. Do you, what, what do you want to do about church? And, and do you want to go to... I, I've seen this. I've seen this as a pastor. Do, do you want to go to Sunday school or do you want to sit out in the big church with us? That's crazy. You tell Johnny, you're going to go to Sunday school or I'm going to whip your tail. Somebody say amen. That's right. You know why? Because little Johnny's flesh. And flesh don't like to go to Sunday school. Flesh likes to play in between the pews. And flesh likes to come in late. That's just flesh. You don't ask flesh because flesh wants to be king. And God gave you children to lead them. Not ask them what direction they want to go in life. Be the leader. Amen. And, and tell them. And they'll appreciate it when they're older. I promise you that. I promise you that. It's not always popular, but it's right. Flesh wants to remain king. Number two, I want to say tonight, flesh will be kind. Do you notice in this text here that Saul is being so kind to David? He's wanting to give his own daughter to him. And it's not the first offer, it's the second offer. David, I want you to be my son-in-law. I want you to be, I want you to be the king's son-in-law. Boy, I mean, Saul promoted him in chapter 17, and now he's promoting him again. It seems like if you listen to Saul, it seems like he loves David so much and he's wanting to look like he has such a, a love fest for David and that he wants to help him and that he just really he wants him to be a part of the family. He wants him to be a, a son-in-law to him. And that's that's the way the flesh is. The flesh will make you offers, and but the flesh, here's the thing about it. It may be kind, Brother Danny, but the flesh has always got an ulterior motive in what it is doing. The flesh is never just being kind for the sake of being kind. The flesh cannot be trusted. The flesh is not your friend. The flesh is your enemy, amen? The flesh will tell you things like this. Don't you want to just look one time? Don't you want to just, oh, what's one beer going to hurt you? It's Christmas time and it's the... It's the, it's the Christmas dinner at, the, at work and what's one little glass of wine going to hurt you? What's one lottery ticket? I mean, you might win. And the flesh will say, if you win, you could tithe and think what you could do for the church with the devil's money because God's too broke and can't take care of the church. You see what I'm saying? The flesh, so, man, you could, you, you could just do so much if, if, you just, if you just scratch off that lottery ticket one time. I mean, and that's the way the flesh is, is kind, but the flesh has a motive in what it's doing. You know, kindness is when you do something and you don't expect anything in return. That's real kindness. Jesus gave his life and never respected any, he never expected anything in return. But you see, the flesh has always got ties to what it's saying. The flesh will be kind. So when your flesh begins to talk to you, and it'll talk to you tonight, it'll talk to you in the morning. The flesh probably told some people, obviously not you tonight, but I'm sure the flesh told some people, now look, why don't you just stay home? Falcons hadn't won a Super Bowl in years or ever. And you can stay home and read your Bible right in halftime. And you can pray for Brother Gravely. You know, that somebody said, why don't we do live stream here? I ain't never doing live stream. 
I got pastor friends, if that's what they want to do, fine. But I, they'll say, man, live stream's great. Why don't you get live stream? I said, because I'm not, if they miss it, I want them to miss it. Right. Amen. Amen. I don't want somebody sitting at the house tonight on their iPad watching the Falcons and watching us have church and they're too sorry to get their tail up and get down here, amen. I'm not giving them a reason or an excuse or an avenue, amen. Man, I'm telling you, if we have a knockout, drag out service tonight and God sits down and everybody goes out talking about it, I want them to miss it, amen. Because they should have been here, isn't that right? The flesh remains, it'll be kind to you. Then I'll say this tonight, the flesh works to kill you. Saul had one motive, and I'm not going to give you all the scriptures tonight, but there's seven places in chapter 18 and chapter 19 where Saul sought opportunity to kill David. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. That's what the flesh wants to do. The flesh, as much as I, this stuff I'm wrapped in tonight, wants to destroy me. I mean, if you stop and you think about that, Brother Ronnie, your flesh tonight, the stuff that you're wrapped in wants to destroy you spiritually. doesn't want to do anything for God. It fights you to, to no end. It never gives up. You drag it to church three times a week. You make it sit here and you're preaching. You get up and you get, oh, listen, if you was, if you was going fishing, the flesh would be up at 4.30 in the morning. I'm just talking about my flesh. I, I mean, it'd be up at 4.30 in the morning ready to wet a hook and there's nothing wrong with fishing tonight or hunting or any of that. But boy, I mean, the flesh gets excited about that. But if it's 4.30 in the morning to read the word of God and have prayer before you go to work, man, that flesh, when that alarm clock goes off, that flesh hates God. That flesh doesn't want to serve God. And so that flesh will say, oh no, you don't want to get up. You just want to lay in this bed. You, you need 30 more minutes of sleep. You see, the flesh wants to kill you tonight. Wants to take you. Flesh don't want to be around church members. Flesh wants to run with the wrong crowd. And Saul sought to kill David. The flesh seeks to kill us. And I'll say this in closing tonight. The flesh is more knowledgeable spiritually than what you think it is. Look what the Bible said in verse number 29. And Saul was yet more afraid of David let me back up a verse. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David. Saul recognized what was happening. He knew every time he would try to take David down, somehow, some way, God would defend David. And Saul, he pinpointed each time. He knew the Lord was with him. But he never gave up trying to kill him. I want to tell you tonight, the flesh, you may know that you're saved, but I promise you the flesh will never give up. There's an evil day for every one of us. The devil has a calendar on all of us tonight. He has a day circled, and the flesh is working with him against us tonight. But I'm glad the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. The Bible said in verse number 30 that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul. Four times in chapter 18... The Bible says that David behaved himself wisely. You say, Brother Gravely, if my flesh is that wicked, if my flesh is that bad, what am I going to do? How am I going to ever live victorious? I'm going to tell you how. Behave yourself wisely. Don't make decisions based on your emotions and your feelings. Don't make decisions based outside the bounds of the Scripture. Stay Stay in the Word of God. Stay in, stay in the, the place of prayer. 
Walk with God. The Bible says that we're to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are... You know what circumspectly means? It means to walk with caution. Walk with care. He gives the idea of walking over a landmine. You know what that means if you just walk it over a landmine? That means you're going to note every single step that you take. And the reason you're going to do that, you're going to look ahead and you're going to think about every single step you take. You see, why would you do that? Because you know that the next step you take could be your last. And I'm going to tell you, friend, tonight, I've watched more people, good people, I've watched them take one step in the wrong direction and it ruined them. I drove six hours one day and sat in the living room of a friend and we wept. And I, I tell you, I weep about it now. We wept. Brother Keith, if I could have, if I could have done anything to reverse their situation, I, I'm serious, I would have emptied everything I had to... It just takes one action you can get right but you can't ever get it back and people can weep with you and they can cry but they can't nobody fix some things so be careful on the job school even at home I'm preaching to myself tonight Grant I want to be so careful because this stuff is it's anti-God it's anti-God tonight And that's why the Bible says we're to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And you know what the Bible says? You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. 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 Isn't that good news tonight? You say, I don't want to fulfill the lust of my flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Get up in the morning and read your Bible. Pray on your way to work. Drink a cup of coffee. Amen. Amen. Lunchtime comes around, say prayer over your food. Pull out your New Testament and read some scripture and pray to God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I feel a witness on that, Brother David. Walk in the Spirit. You know, if you'll read 40 chapters a day, it takes an hour, it takes an hour and 30 minutes to read 40 chapters. And that's not speed reading, that's just reading. You can read the Bible in one month. 1,189 chapters. You ought to just try it one time. You say, I, I couldn't do that. Yeah, you can. 30 minutes in the morning. 30 minutes at lunch. 30 minutes at night time. Or just sit down and read for an hour and a half. It won't kill you. Hey, Amen. Why not? You know what the flesh says? Oh, man. An hour and 30 minutes of Bible reading? Are you crazy? I ain't got that kind of time. Do you know what the flesh, that's what the flesh says. But sit down and watch Andy Griffith three episodes. Or two hours of, you know, not head chasing whoever. Isn't that amazing? How time means nothing. On, but when, Oh, hey, whoa. The Bible, an hour and 30 minutes might change your whole Christian life in one month. Yes, sir. In one month might change your whole life. You're right. That'd be worth 30 days of trying, wouldn't it? 
I'm talking about walking in the Spirit. As we stand tonight, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, dealing with the flesh. Brother David's going to sing. If you need to come tonight, you mind the Lord.